Hey guys, it's Nick here, your DM for Campaign 2 of Character Arcana. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about our new Patreon account. Um, if you love what we're doing and you'd love to help support us, get some bonus episodes and some behind-the-scenes content, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash character arc. That's patreon.com slash character A-R-K. Thank you guys, and we can't wait to see you there. Ahoy hoy! Welcome aboard the Character Arc Podcast, where we discuss story elements to movies we just watched. We put a special emphasis on character as we break down things we liked, didn't like, and provide changes as if we were the ones making the movie. Let's get started. <laughs> that was a good chat. That was a good chat. <laughs> They'll never know. Welcome well, to the podcast, guys. <laughs> that was a good chat we just had before I started recording. <laughs> My name is Richard. <laughs> Ted. Are we actually starting? We with are this? actually <laughs> starting right now. Uh, and I'm Ted Hong. And also, uh, we have a special guest for the movie podcast. You'll recognize him from D and D and from some old movie episodes and the Animele podcast. Nick Slayick. Hello, everyone. It's been a while. This week, we went back to one of my favorite films by one of my favorite directors, Alien. Some of you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. Mother's interrupted the course of our journey. Why? She's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise. They have. Like what? Seems she has intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. She got us up to check it out. What kind of a transmission? Acoustical beacon. It uh, repeats at intervals of 12 seconds. SOS. I don't know. Human. Unknown. I will start off just by saying I love Alien. I already called it one of my favorite movies. I will yeah. also say that in watching it for the first time in several years... I recognize some of its weaknesses in the modern era. Of course. But I still appreciate it quite yeah. wildly. Um, how did you guys feel about watching Alien again? Well, I only remember watching it from when I was like eight. And <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have been watching my uncle, Alien at eight. My uncle was You're, just like, what hey, a way come, to start. come watch this family movie with us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember Aliens more. Yes. And Alien I, is and more I know youth what, friendly. Yeah, <laughs> a, well, <laughs> but also Alien has like these really long and uh, drawn out uh, scenes. <clears throat> and I think for my child brain at the time, absolutely, just was not like <laughs> on board with this. But yeah, no, I really liked it, um, especially watching it now and just kind of looking at it more critically. Um, I really enjoyed it, and yes, I will also concede that there were some weak points. But then again, it's like what four or five decades. Nineteen seventy nine. It is forty one years old. Yep. Regardless, I still enjoyed it and would like to highlight some of the points, but we'll get to that. Nick? I, you know, I overall like the movie itself. I like the Alien series as a whole. But after watching the movie, after not have seen, seeing it in a long time, I, I did tell Richard, I was like, I kind of found most of it to be a, a bit boring. Am I allowed to venture to say that you like Alien because it begot sequels you like better? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's it. <laughs> Fair I, enough. I, yeah. it, it's, it doesn't detract from the fact that it, it it's not a bad movie. It's just for me personally, I like something that moves at a little bit of a faster pace. And it yeah. is so different yeah. from its sequels um, up until the Prometheus era. <laughs> it is... 
it is the only one that's a horror movie, like a really low key horror movie, because Aliens, Alien Three, and Alien Resurrection are all action movies. Right. I can definitely see someone who says they like Alien. The first one being their least favorite, depending on what kind of movie they like. And like I said, it, it's not a bad movie. I just personally prefer things that move a little faster. Yeah, I think that, that's really it. Like, I, it, I I agree. I think part of it is uh, you because of its time. Do you know how fast Xenomorph moves? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask the guy the in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree. I think part of it is also a product of its time, but also with Ridley Scott's direction to have this more thoughtful kind of eerie kind of yeah, tension. I, 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 I know I where you're it. coming from. No, I agree. Um, I do think that there were some parts that lingered a little bit longer. And I mean, I understand it's, it's merits, but at the same time, for my personal taste, I think it could have been just slightly marginally. I see what you're saying for sure. Like I understand my brain. What do I always say? Anything over 90 minutes is a way. It's like, you yeah, better yeah, earn exactly. my fucking time. You would think that that's where you're so you would go. think for a horror film. Horror films have no business being two hours long. This movie's two hours long. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I feel like the... No, I don't feel like scared or tense because I'm an adult um, (laughs) in the movie. But I do... No, I don't feel scared in the movie because I'm an adult. I don't believe you. I saw you. I feel... (laughs) But I feel like there's, there's certain very quiet layers to the tension that make it interesting to watch. And when even watching it just this last time... If you told me, if I didn't know it was two hours long, I would have told you it was way shorter than that. Because it felt way shorter than that to me, personally. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm with Nick on this one. Okay, um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, uh, it, like, I'm not saying it was dreadfully long. It was slightly longer than... So I, know, I, I think I know why that is, or at least I recognize why I can understand why someone would feel that way. And I think that's because the movie is so plot light. And character there you go that's it is you literally come in and the first 40 minutes yeah are are just these space truckers doing their thing just working space like i mean yes that is what they are that is what they are yes it is i i did not come up with that term i know i know i'm just that is that is a genre that is more or less born from this this is a genre of like video game yeah i mean that in sci-fi but yeah that, that came from this and for a sci-fi movie to so clearly tell you these people are not special, these people are not important, these people are just everyday blue-collar workers, and they're going to have to deal with this thing so far beyond your comprehension, that that kind of dichotomy is what makes the tension so interesting. When the conflicts arrive, yeah, for sure. When the... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that, 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 was so not, that was not sorry that was not a, that was not a snide remark but oh I, man that was good i like that because even in the in, in the for example in the sound mixing when we meet the the crew mm-hmm. of the nostromo i almost said ishimura because you mentioned yeah, dead space know, right? <laughs> which of course dead space owes a lot to this oh yeah it's not that like character has line character has line character has line when they're sitting and having breakfast, they're all kind of over-talking each other. The sound is mixed very evenly. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feels like you're just a fly on the wall watching a bunch of coworkers on break time. Right. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't dramatically emphasize individuals within the scene. It, they just kind of blend as a crew. Right. Which... I want to jump on when you're done. Just oh, sure. Say. Yeah, yeah. I can both see being frustratingly like, what am I supposed to be watching here? 
but also is a tech, which I feel, honestly, watching the movie, I also kind of feel that with my sort of screenwriting brain doesn't turn off watching this and being like, okay, what is the point of the scene? It seems very wishy-washy what we're supposed to be paying attention to. But also when I take the film as a whole, I know that what it's doing there is making them feel real because the premise of this film is so outlandish that being afraid of the xenomorph in the same way you'd be afraid of, say, a serial killer in some more down-to-earth situation is harder because of its unrealistic nature. So by kind of making these people just feel like average Joes, you kind of kind of buy into the sci-fi part, buy into the alien part, because this doesn't feel like Star Wars. This feels like, no, this is just what humans do in space. Right. And yeah. I think I think this was like the first where it kind of deviated because like any sort of space adventure was in a space adventure. Right. Yeah, it was that it Star was, Wars was at the Fla- time. It was Flash Gordon and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But now this time it was more down to earth. See, I go, I, mean, I go for the more the the Star Trek comparisons yeah. for me oh, yeah. personally. Great. Yeah, because it, it is different, right? Um, even Star Trek is uh, more. I mean, yeah, there are there are fantastical elements to it, but it is more on like a sort of philosophical kind of way. Uh, this is more of a down to earth. Like, I don't want to use down to earth because they're not down. To Earth. No, but the, but this <laughs> but, but this movie they're not is literally to, yeah. <laughs> but but this movie is trying to convince you at every turn that it is. This, this is yeah, exactly. That's it's my not point. like Doom where they're sending the Rock in with his right. team to go destroy this alien threat that they've assessed. But with quote unquote the boring way that this movie's kind of rolls out in the beginning, uh-huh. it is playing a magic trick of being like, don't look at how weird and fantastical this is. Right. Look at how mundane and average this to is. To them. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Can we talk about don't look at how weird and m- m- mother, mother. <laughs> the room. Oh, that room oh, makes that no room? sense. Makes what? no sense. <laughs> yeah. Why? All we, the lights. All the lights. Like, sat what, down yeah, and she's yeah. like, what is that? It's, it's mother. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's supposed mother. to be a computer. <laughs> no, I actually, I do. I mean, sci-fi has this weird problem in that you can't. You can picture technology that maybe not be that far off, but you can't envision something so far outside of the realm of what you can imagine. Meaning, right, like, right. there's a cap. A there would be, like, yeah. in an actual spaceship, an actual, an actual space trucker truck, there would be one little touchscreen, and that's it. Yeah. But of course, back then in 1979, computers took up whole rooms, and so yeah. they're like, well, well this one must be, be huge. Yeah. <laughs> and must have a bunch of lights that are worthless because there's too many to care or pay attention to. Right. Right. So, no, I do uh, agree. But also, that's, that's an aesthetic that also Star Wars uses a little bit, and Alien kind of refines, because before this, you alluded to it, Ted, which is mm-hmm. that sci fi was glossy, shiny, right. bright, adventurous. Star Wars was the f- was one of the first visualizations of quote unquote old space, mm-hmm. dirty space, right? Like kind of used up space, and Alien takes that just a little step further, where it's like less adventury. Oh, not only is it old, used up space, it is also like poor right. and like gross, <laughs> and that is an aesthetic that those franchises still use today. Alien. Even if we don't talk about Prometheus and stuff like that, which is a prequel, but like the video games based on Alien, uh, Alien Isolation, but also like in between like Alien Marines and shit. Oh, yeah. They still use those like green computer screens and stuff oh, yeah. like that. That is now the world that this takes place in. Right. And it's not. It's not. Retro no, it's not future. the 80s. It's, no, it's right. Not, yeah. Retro right. future. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, before we get too far, talking about the mundane 
nature of the characters. One of the aspects that I really enjoyed was that, even though we already knew, but how it approached the characters was that, and we knew, we know what's going to happen to them. It's a, you know, it's a horror movie, Mm -hmm. right? They're They're going to die one by one. But if we didn't know how they approached the characters, none of the characters seemed, well, apart from the captain, because that's actually the first the first guy you see. That's the first person you see. And then you later find out that it's Ripley. That the she's the literal protagonist. The, the literal first protagonist is the yes. captain. Yes. Yeah. And it changes that. So that, that kind of shifts the whole... They, they, you know, do, they do highlight her, though. Or, of, yeah, or, no, or, I agree. Or, or maybe yeah. I'm just tainted because I know the that's, story. That's what I was going to say is that it's impossible to watch this film the way you would have watched it in 1979. Right. That I do believe that if you watch this... Wait, we all. I think Ripley, it's close Ripley now. is in three sequels to this film. Yeah, we all know that. We all may love some of those movies more than we love this one. So Ripley is such an iconic film character that you know sure. she's the main character. But I do believe that if you watch this film for the very first time, it would not immediately be clear who would be the survivor, who was the main character. Yeah, I do well, think it would become clear before the end. Yeah, but yeah. I think it would take. I don't think it would be clear until. She goes back and forth with the captain the most, more than anybody else. Well, see, and she fields a lot of the talk outside of the captain for sure. Yeah, exactly. She makes a lot of the most rational decisions, like the quarantine decision. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I agree. So I do do think that they highlight her as a main character. I Mm -hmm. do think that you're supposed to think it's the captain, right? But they also, I do, they do highlight her very prevalently. They do not in the very beginning, like you said, in the seat where they're all sitting around having a meal together. That is a little bit more free form, and the captain kind of takes control of that situation. But I still think she plays a very heavy role no, yeah, in, no, she's, in commanding the crew. She was the, the next in command when the other three right. were off, right? So um, When you bring in how she's kind of, kind of arguing against everyone's really bad decision-making and her yeah. really good decision-making, I guess you're right that you would probably be able to pick off a little bit earlier than I was saying that she is the protagonist there are hints of it, but I think I was looking at it with fresh eyes, and I was noticing that, yeah, she didn't seem very prominent. But you're right. After talking about that, yes, she compared was to modern film, yeah, compared right, to yeah. modern because it's very clear usually who the protagonist is, right? But I like this primarily because usually when you first know who the protagonist is, which I know that's kind of how you're supposed to go about it. I like this for the fact that I'm already not concerned about plot armor, right? You know, because all the other characters seem expendable. Although she is making a lot of these smart decisions, she could have been taken. I mean, there's that one part where she's talking about uh, where, uh, was it, Kane? They walk in and the little face hugger's gone and she's talking about quarantine, but she leaves the stupid door open. Yeah, I. it's it's one of those things. I do think if you really pay attention to a lot of a lot of the actual stuff in the movie, I do think it's pretty obvious to see that she's probably going to be one of the people that lasts the longest. Yeah, yeah. I will jump on that point, though, because I think that that is also a strength of the film, which is that, Ted, you and I talked about Ready or Not. Yeah. And how the bride in that film, Mm -hmm. she was smart. Yeah. She advanced. Like, she escaped in the right kind of ways. She She made smart decisions. She didn't unnecessarily run into dead ends. She didn't, like... She wasn't incapable of using a weapon. She wasn't incapable of defending herself or hiding properly. Right. The way that horror movies so often make a character just do a dumb thing, and that's why they're in danger, 
it was refreshing to see Samara Weaving's character in Ready or Not for make sure. a bunch of smart decisions. And it didn't steal away from the tension. It enhanced the tension mm-hmm. because the things she were up against were also really strong. So yeah. her intelligence didn't make it easy. Right. It made the threat seem worse. Yes. And I think that that is effective here with Ripley. Yes. Ripley, Ripley is smart. She, she has that whole discussion with the captain where she's threatening to lock the captain out. Or she's not yeah. threatening. She's just saying, no, no you're not yeah, coming in. Mm-hmm. Because... She's got a fucking brain. She never makes a dumb decision in the movie, which makes the alien seem that much stronger and difficult yes, to beat. Right. And I think that should be how it how subsequent movies should be. The difficulties should be higher than your current ability. Your ability should not be dwarfed just to make the movie serviceable. The writer shouldn't make the character dumb just so they're in danger. Yeah. They should make the danger threatening. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, though. They did do it with other characters. Like, I've really hard for me to watch that scene with the the black guy and that other girl that go into Toward that room together. Yeah, and it it's literally just flashing back and forth between him screaming I can't and then the move. alien. I and can't then, and yeah, get and out of the way. I can't. And, I can't. <laughs> Why? Why can't you? And then and then it goes to her, and she's just standing there, and she's screaming, and the tail like just kind of goes between her legs and starts to come up the back. Yeah, like uh, like <laughs> see, there are a lot of. I mean, yeah. it was intended. Yeah. It was a sexual, <laughs> but it was just like violations. I was like, come on, yeah. It's a, it was a little much, See, but I get isn't it. Isn't it right? Yeah, exactly. That part was frustrating. I'll, it was more Lambert frustrating with this character. Sorry. Yeah. That, Thank you. That that part was I more... didn't I didn't pay attention to anybody else's names because uh, they're I mean <laughs> I don't know the captain's name. I don't know Dallas. Kane, Dallas da- yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and. What, who, what, what Kane was, was the guy who got the Kane was the first one. Who's yeah. the robot? What's his name? Ash. Ash. That's Bilbo it. Baggins. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Bilbo. Yeah, she Remember, was. Lambert was hysterical Lambert, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, the whole time. I, I wish they didn't. Write I was going to go get like into that. the 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 notion of that word and the stereotype of her character, which is which, hysteri- yeah. hysterical. Literally means like your <laughs> your woman parts are making you crazy. Um, that's literally where the word comes from. And she is such a token scared lady in this horror yeah. film yeah like she's terrible. just she yeah. is constantly crying and screaming and afraid of everything and it's like you're a you i you're in space yeah you got you, got you, for some you have some training you have, you have some skills <laughs> i almost felt like they were doing it to pander yeah. to the fact that ripley because was ripley such wasn't. a strong yeah. woman mm-hmm. probably I, contrast like but even then like come on yeah she yeah. was so like you just they're all would, space truckers yeah like, don't write her like that she never felt natural. She felt always over the top. Yeah. Over the top and over to the side. Because like yeah. the only times that she ever had any sort of The only time she was ever pushed to the front was, was when those she's times. Free- yeah, when she's freaking out. Right. So I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, it was a kind of a waste of a character. It was it was a character put there to cause drama and to die. Yeah. Hysterical is her character. Like if you were to define the characters by like, you know, Dallas is the captain, Ripley's second in command, strong, you know, resourceful, you know, Ash is science officer, you know, smart, methodical. The only characteristic to Lambert is hysterical. That's right. that that is her character, um, and that's that's not a great way to be in yeah any movie yeah. as far as like give her something, give her some personality yeah. other than that. Uh, can I touch on 
a couple things, like two things specifically that I think make this movie as important as I believe it is. Mm. No? Okay. No. Yeah, oh, not interested. Over. One, everyone. one one thing that comes <laughs> throughout future installments of the franchise is the economics of it. The fact that they are working class people mm-hmm. is super important to this lore, and I think it separates this sci-fi lore from most lore. The beginning of this movie, what is the thing that Parker talks about the most? Getting his money. Getting How his he money. gets paid. Yeah, yeah. Does he get paid this much for doing this? If he does more work, does he get paid properly? If he does less work, is he going to get paid the same? He's actually really concerned because we get the impression that these people, just because they're in space, they're not like the way we view astronauts today. Right. They're just working These glorified... Right. Yeah. They are, and actually, what is the actual backdrop of the film, which is that this company, the Wayland yutani They were expendable. They, yeah, yeah. They were using them to get another asset that they will later make money off of. Right. They're literally trying to obtain a weapon that they can now sell to other people. And they don't care if their workers die because their workers, these are like the equivalent of, of like... Lab uh, rats. Yeah, well, like, well, yeah, like uh, minimum wage workers minimum are wage like workers, the, the lowest yeah. of the labor pool. Like, Blue collar. Look, I, I'm certain that explored a lot in, in novels, sci-fi novels and stuff like that. But certainly at this time, not in sci-fi films very much, if at all. And even now, stands out as a franchise that, granted, lightly and blockbustery has a criticism of capitalism that's pretty yeah. strong it's like this is where this is like eventually even something as romantic as space travel will be ruined by capitalism in this way yeah <laughs> to the extreme right um so i think that that's a message that like i said it, it does stand out more it it is certainly present in all the future films too but it stands out more so like there are there are written works in video games that to put an extra emphasis on it too, that that is something that people have found interesting about this lore, because even the first film puts such a premium on this is how we get to know these characters by being economically disadvantaged. The other one is Ted and I talked about this when watching it, and Nick, I you don't you're not a big fan of survival horror video games, right? I just they give me anxiety, right? Because I don't like having to make quick choices in games right. where I have to like run around and I understand that everyone has their own thing that's what I love about them <laughs> see for me movies never scare me they never make me feel uncomfortable they make me feel gross or something but they never make me feel scared but games do so yeah, I, I yeah. like that's... horror games because they have that effect on me and I don't really like most horror movies because they don't it's like you're being pulled around to like this is supposed to be scary that kind of uh, approach but in games, you're actually like, oh, God, I'm going to die. Right. Because yeah. you, are, you are directly involved in the decisions and, and all of the movements. It removes yeah. a certain barrier between you and the problem. Right. Yeah. That, that I, I love in games that I just don't get in movies. It's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, you having to be the one to solve the problem. Yeah, right. Because yeah. then when you watch other people like haphazardly try to do something, it's frustrating, but then when you're trying to do it, you know you're you're, approaching, <laughs> you're like <laughs> fumbling with the, the door. <laughs> um, this movie shockingly informs the structure of survival horror. Video oh yeah, games, for sure. Yeah, even yeah. more mm-hmm. so than it does movies. Mm-hmm. This is the structure, roughly, of a slasher movie. The structure of this movie is not that different from Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This movie is a little more like <laughs> about it. 
It's a little more. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's, well, that's what like Ridley that Scott scene. takes it a little more seriously himself. Right. He doesn't aim for it to be schlocky, though. At its core, not that different. It is those movies. It's just. That's kind of like that scene I talked about with the the two people that died in the hangar. Yeah. Or it's like, ah, alien. Ah. A-. Like, that's very horror movie. Like, yeah. killer, killy, killer, killy. Like, <laughs> what a, it's a terrible trope. <laughs> but if you map this movie to. Story structure. Quite literally, the first four Resident Evil games, mm-hmm. it is point by point, like a roadmap of how you make these games, which is that. It's a small group of people in a relatively mundane situation. There's not a very elaborate plot. It's mainly just trying to survive. It's mainly, it's literally just trying to get from one place to another place in order to activate something, unlock something, stop the enemies, like whatever it is. Uh, You're just trying to achieve little goals. And then get off the ship. More or less on your own. (laughs) Then the monster kind of becomes a little more prevalent and then you hit the self-destruct sequence, like which is literally cornerstone to those games, which is so weird. Yeah. The countdown mechanism is part of survival horror games in such a big way. Definitely for Resident Evil. I kind of forgot about it until the movie did it. And I was like, this really is just Resident Evil. Like <laughs> that like that game claims to have all of these roots in Night of the Living Dead. But the structure of that movie and the structure of those games, this is way more... Like, those games are way more alien than they Mm -hmm. are that. And, of course, most survival horror games went on to kind of mimic Resident Evil. And they may not follow those same exact plot points, but I feel like more so than film, this film may be more influential in a certain type of game than it is for anything. I mean, we could even bring it like a closer connection, Dead Space. We've mentioned it that. is, yeah, almost it directly is. an inspiration with the thing. They go mind. to yeah. a derelict ship that no, is for mining. Really. Yeah. And the things mining. come out of the vents. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and you don't have you don't have They're real even called weapons. necromorphs. And yep. xenomorphs. Xenomorphs. Like, yeah. yeah. You don't have real weapons. You have, you have mining like, equipment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah. it's and then there's this conspiracy. Right. Yep. So yeah. You All find out, beats. oh, that's, yeah, the same thing with Resident Evil 2, but also with Dead Space, which yeah. is like, oh, you find out that some evil company, in both cases, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil's the Umbrella Corporation, what's the company in... Oh, I forget. <laughs> Dead Space. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Even though I love this game, I haven't... I know the character's name is Isaac. Yeah. It is, <laughs> um, it is yeah. literally somebody trying to gain some kind of scientific knowledge for the purposes of using a weapon in, again, Resident Evil and Dead Space... Oh, speaking of of weapons, the android? Yes. Yeah. Sort of. a- yeah, android? Sure. Yeah. yeah. They d- I'm pretty sure they do have another name in the lore specifically, but sure. Yeah, android. They're androids. Yeah. He... Ash. He tried to murder her with a rolled up newspaper? That oh. was really weird. Also, like, what? I, I, <laughs> what the has to be fuck the, was that? That has to be the decision of also being sexual without being yeah. too sexual, I guess. Shoving yeah. something... Was he was he going to try to shove mouth. it down her throat and kill yeah. her? Like I was like, is he trying to make her not breathe? I think like, so. Because she can still breathe through her nose. Yeah, but if, <laughs> like, if you're choking, you're choking. I guess. Yeah, I was. It was the it is weirdest so, scene. It is very strange to look at that. That especially like he could just beat her to death. 
So I have to assume that that's it's what or I at least thought. choke her. I had forgotten you know? about that. I thought that's what he was going to do. Is, like, is he going to beat her to death with a rolled up newspaper? If he's an hand, he's an android, he's which means strong. he's stronger. Well, he grabbed that other dude's chest. Uh, yeah. And started like, Kalima and started going for it. You know, cover your heart. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was very strange. This is more of a nitpicky kind of thing. I feel like if someone's jamming a rolled up magazine down your throat, <laughs> the point of resistance would be there, not reaching for the person's throat. Right. Grab like the trying newspaper. To sell, yeah. Because you can going bend the newspaper. Yeah. And you can, or like, keeping you... it from going further, right. you know? But it's like, oh, I'm just going to try to reach for your face and just kind of swing. Yeah. I'm just going to flail my arms. That's a problem. That is me. a super awkward scene to watch. And I, I do think if we're going to, you know, take the premise that the film is somewhat an allegory for rape and stuff like that. The yeah. reason why he kill, tries to kill her that way is because it's penetrative and invasive. Yeah, and stuff it like is. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just it's certainly weird. It, it's yeah. Absurd. yeah. And uncomfortable. Like, it works in that it, sense. It's an uncomfortable thing to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we won't go too much down the the rape allegory respect, not because it's not true, but because I do think it's over-talked about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but everyone, there's lots of conversations about that, I guess, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you I mean, can, it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. intended. Yeah. Right. Still, still, a, I mean, I guess that's what it was, it was intended to make you feel awkward. And it did. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, if you're going like, 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 yeah. It's just, aiming to make a point more than it makes sense for the characters. Right. To do exactly. It. Yeah. it was for a, it was for a purpose and not for the plot. Right. Yeah. Because plot wise, it's like, it's, why would you go to such lengths? When you can use your android metallic, he could have just ripped just, her head off. Yeah. The way that I've taken to like to say things like that is, the screenwriter wanted it to happen. Ash didn't. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did like the idea though. I really liked the fact that the evil corporation had a mole on the mm. inside. It, it it adds another layer of the story that. Makes the it, it is one of the only parts of the movie that actually kind of makes really a lot of drama with the characters is because you can kind of tell that he's lying about some stuff. Right. See, I think the tension built between Ash and Ripley is really strong. That's one of the reasons why I think the movie moves quickly for me is because alien aside, sort of space truckers aside, you see that they don't they're butting heads right. lot, and it's yeah. a bigger problem. Right. Yeah. But yeah, like I think it really kicked off when she was like, "You guys can't come in; it's quarantine." And he just slaps the button. What? Yeah, he opens the door, <laughs> and like, kind of at that moment, you're like, "Hmm." She made a good point. Why? Yeah, you know why someone would argue against her point for like the humanity of saving them, yeah. but he doesn't argue with her. He just opens the door. Yeah, he also, doesn't try to make a point. Nope, he just opens he just it. How do the face huggers get through the helmet? Did, yeah, did they oh. really? Do they secrete acid on it? But then would it I, it's not only save their it up blood. to assume, yeah, But then would so it not weird. go through and destroy the face underneath it? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that already be a hard point to be like, what? That thing breached our suit? Fuck no. Keep that thing out. <laughs> like, it had a giant hole in the thing. So it, it didn't poke its little throat tube through it. Yeah. It it had to open I do it. believe in future ones, though, they do show them, like, uh, it got smaller more worm-like creature, crack the glass, go in, and then spread out. But you're right that this film does not show that. Mm. I it, believe that... It showed it like it looked like it had, like, melted through the right, helmet. Yeah, just, like, grabbed but, onto. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought, yeah. I, I felt that was really weird. 
Unless the creature has the ability to control how much of his acid, like, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. that's one of those weird sci-fi yeah, we things. Like, it's not right. it's not really a thing. Like, you you it, can kind of just accept it, but, I mean, you are right, and I, I, there are, to the best of my knowledge, no film shows the aliens able to control secretions. Also, I mean, why did only one of the eggs wake up? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he touches yeah. it. He fucks with it. Oh, that's right. But he didn't. He didn't actually touch it, though. It did start. It opened before he touched it. It was breathing. I don't know. <laughs> so I. Yeah. And anyway, it's taking a breath. There was only one man to, to touch. <laughs> <laughs> but that won. whole sequence was was really really good. I I saw like making of the movie. That sequence is actually shot in reverse. Oh. When it like yeah, because they what they wanted to do was show like the tail whip, uh, like it had some tension. In order to do that, they had to film it in reverse, but you couldn't tell when you watched the movie. So oh. that was really well done. And all the practical effects, I really Very have good. to, yeah. Just like the face great. hugger looks really fucking real. Fuck it that it is, looks like a real creature. I okay. <laughs> that yeah. is my biggest compliment to this movie yeah. is that, like, between all of the Star Trek that I've watched, uh-huh. they're. <laughs> Sorry, I think of the, the lizard and. <laughs> <laughs> fucking... Their shit looks so real. Like, they are on that ship. They are in those containment units. Yeah. Like when they're walking, like everything is tangible and it's there. Mm-hmm. And the props are all super hyper realistic, uh, aside from the, the alien man suit. Yeah. But, Which <laughs> Scott is wise enough to only show you very, very little. Yeah. <laughs> I think what gave it away was when Dallas was about, like, he lit the. The hallway, the air, and vent. the shot of the and it was just like, like out. give me a hug. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird. Was. Yeah, it was very strange. Just put its face there. Yeah, no. they 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 did a really good job with the set mm-hmm. for 1979. You can watch this movie. The image quality, you know, it's an older film, but the set quality and it's like the so... prosthetic quality, you're kind of like, this is really good looking. I yeah. wish we had more movies that would do this. Like, I understand it's they uh, probably spent so much money. Yeah, on oh, set yeah. like. Oh man! But all even like even the practical effects, I am just amazed. Like, uh, what is it? Even when they um the face hugger, like apparently that's all like, uh, like lamb kidneys and seafood. Oh, it's just meat. It's yeah. just yeah. It looks like oysters. And oysters. There you go. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I thought when he was like lifting his yeah. Little yeah. flap up, which yeah. is like, it's great. Like you use what you got, right? Mm-hmm. And and it just it really carried through. It would be kind of nice if once in a while. I'm fine with, like, CG's good. CG is very useful for many things. Mm-hmm. But it'd be cool if once in a while a director in modern era would be like, can we do this with something just on the set? Yeah. Because it physically being there does make a difference. It just does. No yeah. matter how good your CG is, yeah. it does make a difference. That's the. Uh, I think that's the only reason the movie is actually scary. Yeah. Is because they, they're literally <laughs> running through those hallways, those yeah. creepy hallways. We touched on this a little bit, but, like, that entire movie is horrible for anyone that's epileptic. There's oh, like yeah. Strobing nonstop. We, and we, all of the yeah. steam just randomly pouring out of everywhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, that last part, it made sense because well, she just pulled mean, out the coolant. But everything else, yeah. no, no, I agree. Because there was steam, just like, why? <laughs> and they're just walking through it. Like, whatever this is, it's fine. I can Let's, breathe no, it. I can breathe it's it. not hot. Like, <laughs> it's actually one point when Parker seems to stop it at will and then start it again. And I'm not really sure what... That oh, was about. Yes. Like he's, he kind of seems to turn it off, and then Ripley walks away, and then he seems to turn it back on again. It's like, it's like what? Yeah, what? he did it. He did it to make the noise so that she would not stop talking, and then he turned it off when she left. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, but then a, he turned it back on again. Didn't I, I don't know. It, <laughs> it was it was a weird. I know which. I know, weird, I know what scene you're talking. It about. It was awkward because you just kind of assumed. Well, that steam's permanent, right? And right. then he's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> right. They're a steamship. It's like, it's like when you see factories in like '90s movies, um, or even remember remember that factory in Robin Hood that we saw like last year. Where everything is just exploding all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Or like in factories, like in Terminator Two, where sparks are just happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you don't know what those factories do other than manufacture sparks and explosions. I assume that's this what ship they're there for. That's why we're shooting steam. the movie there. Like the ship is the steamship. It just right. makes steam. That's what they're doing. That, but, that was my only negative to their aura that they yeah. was all the flashing lights and steam. That last bit like, toward the end, like they did it once and i was like oh yeah that is tense but then they did it again and it was for a longer take and i was like ah, it starts know. to just actually kind of get a little frustrating to watch in a way that like you alluded to nick might actually be dangerous for some people <laughs> yeah <laughs> it it detracted certain times for me like because it almost felt like they were trying to make the alien scarier because yeah. it was like no, light dark too. light dark light dark I but i kind of think it just made me as someone with visual dis- not that i get epilepsy at all but just as someone who generally doesn't see well, like all the flashing of lights is just kind of like, eh, like I'm slightly photosensitive, but not enough to be like epileptic. Kind of just off putting combining like both of what you guys just said. I think it's both things. Like I think that at first Ted, I think it's used for an effect, which is effective. Mm -hmm. And then Nick, I think you were right down that it's used a lot more because it hides how bad the alien suit was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did. At the end, I think he knew the alien has to be present more. Right. So how do I get away from just showing it because it's clearly a rubber suit? Right. <laughs> no, it, and yeah, and that's why it's like half hanging out of the wall right. for most of the scene. And What yeah. was it doing in that? Was it, it was sleeping? sleeping? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, like, like a cat. It just wanted to be like for the ride. Yeah. yeah. It just wanted to be taken care of. Why was it angry that whole time? And then once it gets in there, it goes to sleep. Because it knows it's going home. <laughs> or to Earth. Does it? I don't know. It's had it's it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> it Another was weird scene. Yeah. It just wanted to be under the care of And the cat mother. knew. The cat has known. They established throughout the, the movie that the cat knew when the alien was around. Oh. But the cat evil. didn't know that it was on the thing. Well, the cat was in the carrier at that point, right? The she let it do. out, and she was or like, she "Oh, yeah. good kitty." And well, and the then cat she... also like vaguely wanted to lure all the humans to the alien. Although <laughs> Ridley Scott has specifically denied that, which is why the extended version has an extra scene of the cat being pushed off the ledge. Anyway, <laughs> by the alien, because that has actually been a lot of people's theories: is that the cat lures people to their death. And Ridley Scott is, from what I've heard, at least said. No, you're reading too much into the cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, oh, I fucked up. I got to make sure well, to so correct this. Kind of what he said was the cat, The he used the cat, he used people going to the cat to show that they die when they go to the cat so that when Ripley goes to get the cat, you think she's also about to die. Right. It's it's more of like a, <laughs> a, a tee up and key right. like yeah, and yeah. to subvert it later. Right. That's why. That scene, better. though, then, when she's <laughs> carrying that cat carrier and she gets in the escape pod and she like, throws it at the ground and it kind of yes, like and then she like kicks it like I mean, it's like get stuck in the, in the door and yeah. she like it's apparently fucked the cat I was like Jesus you spent so long risked your life to get the cat like yeah. treat it better I guess. no wonder it was hissing when she tried to pull it out of the box yeah. well guys that is we definitely have to 
oh, wrap yeah. this one up. No, we had fun. I we... refuse. <laughs> um, Be sure to join us on the next one for Aliens. We're going to go through the entire franchise. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Character Arc podcast. Um, you can find us at characterarc.net. You can find us at Character Arc on Instagram and at Character Arc on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Richard. That was a lot. <laughs> he was talking so fast. So fast. Did everyone <laughs> catch that? My name is Ted Hong. <laughs> and I I was, am, I am, I am. Forever. Nick Slayer. <laughs>